Hello, and welcome back. It's another episode of Smart Talk. I still don't have that Bostonian accent, and it's, pro- it's probably never coming. But, uh, yeah, w- welcome back. Um, we are, uh, um, uh, sorry, uh, Jordan is here, and Austin is here as well. And, um, and, uh, wel- and welcome back, guys. It's been a few weeks. Um, what's going on? Yeah, I'm surprised you got uh, Austin and I both to agree to this after some of our disagreements at the rankings meeting. Uh, me and him weren't friends after that. There was a lot of yelling, a lot of cursing each other, but uh, we've made we've made up and we're able to be grown-ups and we're here today to talk it out. I walked out of that rankings meeting being like, you know, I got exactly who I wanted over Jordan. I went over <laughs> to the rankings call and all of a sudden I look and my player was ranked ninth and his player was ranked eighth. And I was like, how the heck did this happen? I thought we agreed. It's so I don't know what sort of voodoo uh, Jordan pulled out there, but uh, we've made up. Uh, we've air high five, tugged it out. So glad to be back, Josh. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, um, well, in this episode, what we are going to do is um, we're, we're going to go over um our uh, uh our preliminary rankings uh which came out a, a few days back um and yeah so um yeah so in the so in the rankings call that we had um you know as a, a team you know we you know um you know while you know while putting together rankings is fun um you know, there's always going to be very, very tough, uh, you know, uh, sorry, very, very, very tough conversations, um, you know, when you have, um, you know, when you have several people in, you know, in the same room together and, um, you know, and the consensus is not going to, you know, all, um, sorry, you know, like, um, you know, like not everybody is going to, you know, see eye to eye. So, um, you know, so there, you know, so there were, you know, of course, a few difficult uh, conversations and you know and um you know the you know the first few players um you know that were rather difficult to place were Bappe Mitchkov and Braden Yeager. Um and and yeah so so looking back on you know the you know the Mishkov and you know in Jaeger conversations I think the biggest challenge with Mishkov is that I like what he's doing from a production standpoint, but I do have concerns about him, you know, when it comes to his scanning. Um, and Dylan Griffin uh, from uh, from EP Ringside uh, had tweeted out uh, a few videos um, a few weeks back Um you know, and he was, you know, and he was going through, you know, some of Matt Bay's, um, you know, scanning inconsistencies in which, you know, he, in which he wasn't identifying, um, you know, um, you know, how far away his teammate, you know, what, um, you, you know, was going to be in order to, um, you know, in order to hit his teammate in stride with a pass. And it seemed, you know, and, you know, and it's and it's became sorry, and it's become more of a routine thing for him. And um, you know, and that's one of you know, and that's one of the you know, that's one of the concerns that I have with him right now. Um, you know, but not 
you know, but, um, but yeah, but I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I, I do love the goal scoring ability. It's just, you know, it's just things like that in which, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, the development isn't necessarily, you know, um, um, you know, is as, um, you know, is as safe as it could be, um, you know, you know, and so, yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah so that's my challenge with MacVay. Um, so before I kick this over to Jordan, who is the, uh, MacVay, Mitch Kava, uh, 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 best way I, he was the one who was definitely the, uh, instigator of anything Mitchkov in this rankings call just kind of give some backstory first off thanks to uh martin soma over out there uh and gray and ben who are also on the rankings call like so they also we all put in our rankings for this and kind of then beforehand so um kind of going into this we had a big disagreement uh going into with the Mitchkov ranking uh as high as two as low as six or seven i don't remember exactly where um, Josh, you made great analysis points right there about Mitchkov. Jordan, um, anything to add from, from Mitchkov? I know you were one of the ones that were kind of not, not on the side of Mitchkov being a top two player. In our... Yeah, I guess just more behind the scenes stuff. There wasn't really much of a disagreement. There wasn't much of a disagreement, um, on the first three names. It really came to that Benson versus Mitchkov conversation that we had of who were we really taking it fourth overall? And, um, I guess a lot of the conversation was around like what have we seen to date this year like who has shown us more who are we more confident in and who are we actually to if the draft was today who are we going up and saying their name and i think um, most of us agree that that was zach benson i think with mitchkov um a lot of us yeah a lot of his goals are coming on the power play from the perimeter that may not be that repeatable at the next level whereas benson um, we've seen the elite playmaking the elite uh, play driving and just involved in all the offense, just a lot more confident in him at this point of the year. So um, with Mitchkov, it's hard to kind of disassociate his play to date versus like the hype he had entering the season. And I think we're trying to do our best to kind of evaluate what he's shown us rather than like the hype around him, right? Because it's very easy to say, oh, Mitchkov is this generational talent, but and ignore his play on the ice. Say, okay, he should be two, but I don't think we've seen a second overall t- caliber caliber player thus far. And um, another, I guess, another facet of this is, in our rankings call, we didn't we didn't knock him points for the contract. We didn't talk about Russia, like the geopolitical sort of thing in Russia going on. Like we didn't talk about that. It was all about him as a hockey player and who are we confident in today? And that was Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, and then Zach Benson ahead of him. So, of course, there's time for him to regain our confidence and move up, back up in their rankings. But it was a difficult conversation about. Okay, what? How? How do we feel about this guy? Where? Where's our head at? And um, I think most people thought that Benson was just head and shoulders above him at this point of the year. I was a big pusher for Benson. I've only seen a few times of Mitchkov. I'm not going to comment too much. I, I kind of what I, what you both have seen has been sort of my my uh, thoughts on it as well. I thought Jordan made an excellent point when we were talking at the rankings call about um, if they didn't have the name on the back of their jersey, like, and we were just basing this off a of play, like, where would we rank these players? Because I think we were struggling a little bit of like, hey, this player is talked about in this manner and they're almost universally being here and here we are pushing players down that we just don't see at that it's not say level, but at that ranking for and Mitchkov was the first player in, in our data or data site rankings that really kind of kind of hit that MO for us. Um, 
I, I thought that was I, I think five is is the perfect spot for him right now for on our rankings because it, it kind of gives that room for growth, but also there's some players right behind him that I know I was pounding the table for that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um and the in my last comment, um, you know, on Mitchkov and you know Benson is look when I'm drafting, I you know I understand the kind of production that you know that you could possibly get out of Matt Van Mishkov, but at the same time, I look at Zach Benson and see a 200 foot player who, yeah, not every like not er like not every facet of his game is um you know is you know is high you know is high level but he is just a workhorse player and um you know and he is someone that you can relentlessly count on uh you know you know game in game out and so at that point you know i you know i have to lean towards zach benson at four i mean yeah i mean like like yeah i mean yeah, I mean that was my rationale. <laughs> so the next player we um kind of hit a robot with was Braden Yeager, uh, from the Moose Jaw in the WHL. Um so uh I'll I'll kick it off a little bit because uh Jaeger was one of those players that um I, I think I had pretty low on the preliminary rankings of uh of having him in somewhere in the fifteen to twenty five range. Um and I, one of the things that, that with Jaeger, it's the same sort of scenario we were talked about with Mitch Kov of, of kind of the hype, but also with Jaeger, it's just a pension for disappearance. Um, you know, it's the, to me, it's the, the conundrum of flashing high end skill, but not doing it consistently. Um, and also being a center, but not very involved in the transition game, uh, being a low volume passer, um, his shot, there's no denying he has a, a fantastic wrist shot. Um, he can beat goalies clean from distance, um, but it's it's not in volume. So he even if he has a great shot, he, he's a, a middle of the road volume shooter at five on five. So um, in my viewings of him, it was a lot of Jagger Furcus doing a lot of the heavy lifting and for, and Jaeger was kind of just playing second fiddle and hoping to get the puck in the offensive zone in a dangerous area to shoot the puck, but, and not really doing much of his own to create plays. So my biggest question with Jaeger going into this, and I know it was a mailbag question, so I'll answer it here was, is Jaeger a center? And I, right now I would say he has the physical tool set to be a center. I just don't think he plays like a center right now. So um it's a conundrum to me where it's physical tools versus um how you're playing the game right now and how he's playing the game i would put him as a grip it and rip it right winner um but uh it doesn't mean he doesn't have skill um and he doesn't have the ability to to facilitate play uh through the middle of the ice yeah i mean if you want like if you want to put jaeger at center at the next level and i'm not suggesting that i would but if you do, you know, you want to surround him with, you know, with, you know, with extremely good defensive wingers because, you know, because you are going to need to rely on them. Like, I mean, I mean, Jaeger does have, I mean, I mean, Jaeger does have speed, but that doesn't always mean that he's always going to be, um, 
sorry, Jaeger has speed, but you know, but you you know, but speed is never a guarantee that he's always going to be, um, you know, back in the defensive zone, you know, on the back check. It's kind of you know, it's kind of hit or miss. Um, and so, with that said, you know, you definitely want to surround him, you know, with a, a um, you know, with two good uh, defensive wingers. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Jaeger was a little more polarizing than Mitchkov. Like, with, with Mitchkov, everybody was somebody or somewhere in the range of two to three to maybe like six or seven, me at the lowest. Um, whereas Jaeger was like, there were still some people that were pushing from the top 10 and some people later in the first. Like, that was probably a really tough conversation for us to have. And um, both sides, like, hear it out and we kind of landed somewhere in the middle. But for me personally, like, I agree with what Austin said about it's that tools versus like fizzling in and out of play where sometimes you see him, sometimes you don't. And at the end of the day, like on draft day, you need to pick one name. Like you need to say, you're my guy at pick like 10, 15, whatever it is. You need to pick one name. And are you picking a guy that is sometimes cast for the ghost and just isn't involved in play? And you're not really sure where you're getting him sometimes. And that, for in my opinion, just spooks me and guys just bump down the bump ahead of him on the list. And um, it's a shame we, might, probably should have brought Ben in here for this one to speak to why he was pushing for Jaeger higher, but uh, I think Austin and I were two of the ones that were more spooked of Jaeger, I guess. And um, yeah, he just yeah. I, again with Mitchkov, like show us show us why you're hyped, and I'm not going to blindly believe that you are owed this hype um, unless you show me. And just talking with Ben, uh, and not meaning to speak for him, but just the basic conversations I had with Ben about Jaeger, um, it was mostly due to physical tools that he he had him there. Um, his shot being as elite as it is, um, his stick handling, his puck handling, when it flashes, it does flash. Um, I just... It was just, I think it's for, it was just two different philosophical beliefs that I think between Ben and I, when we were talking about Jaeger, even we were on opposite sides. So um, like you said, I think he ends up at 13th on a ranking somewhere around that range. So, you know, he ends up right in the middle of where the highest person we had had him and the lowest people had him. So moving on from Jaeger, um... The um the next tough discussion was around um WHL defensemen. So Caden Price, um Tanner Mullendyke, and Luca Cagnoni. Um yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so where do you guys want to start here? <laughs> I think we all just had a different player we really liked, and none of us could decide yeah. which player we wanted to put yeah. ahead of the other ones, if we're gonna be honest here. Um, I can I can feel the price. Um I think for me, that was the one that struggled the most with. Um, I think we can all agree that his play at the Holinka and the selection camp that he watched was like phenomenal. Like I, I came away thinking there was like a top 10 potential player there. He was just like activating up ice all the time, involved with everything, um, facilitate, facilitating exit after exit, solving every problem. And then when I've watched him with Kelowna, like you don't see that same activation. You don't see, he's not that, he's not as fun of getting up in the rush and, you just you're seeing a lot less of the reasons why I fell in love with him, and there is some defensive gaps with him where he's losing guys behind him as well, and it's just a really like two different stories with him. And it's like, okay, what are we willing to bet on here? Like, what are we betting on? What he showed us at his best at the Linka? Are we betting on the more recent viewings? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? And that was kind of a lengthy conversation of, 
okay, um, if, if what we've seen at his best is him, then he should be higher than where we have 20. Um, but if we're doing, we're trying to be cautious, maybe he should be lower. And it was just a tough one because his play has been on two different ends of the spectrum. So he was a really tough one, I think, for, for me, especially as someone who was so high on him a few months ago. So not, um, so Jordan, so, you know, when, you know, when we look at last year's draft, um, you know, one, you know, one name comes to mind in which, you know, in which we all, you know, mean, which we all love the upside potential, but I don't, I don't think the player was ever really deployed correctly in the offensive zone. Uh, that's Ty Nelson of the North Bay Battalion. Um, are you are you seeing similarities there in terms of like you know in terms of potentially you know Caden you know Caden Price could just be you know could just be being told um, you know to hang you know to hang back and play you know and play more conservatively you know that's you know you know that just comes to mind. It's possible. I, I think though that. Like as public scouts, it's very hard to get that information to make those decisions and to estimate on those things. So um, we're never really going to know the answer to that. So in my opinion, I try to just ignore those sort of thought process of like, um, I just evaluate what he's showing us. And yes, it's possible that with Ty Nelson, he was told to just fling stretch passes and shoot from low danger. And maybe he blossoms into something better, but that's what he showed us. And I'm not, we don't have the ability to go and talk to his coach or interview him and get the answers right. So it's kind of, in my opinion, just not really an avenue that I want to go down. Um, I just have to evaluate what Caden Price has shown us or Ty Nellis has shown us. And um, if, yeah, if again, if we see him in like outside of Kelowna in a different environment and he's a totally different player again, then yeah, maybe we can estimate that Kelowna is kind of more for him into something that um, he'd be best, like best uh, another way, right? So it's just, it's a tough guessing game. Probably the next opportunity. Politically correct answers, Jordan. We wanted you to hot take that right there. Um, no, I, I think this is one of the harder conversations we had. Um, it's, for me, I flip flopped from the beginning of the year to the, to now. I think I I leaned at the beginning of the year really loving Luca Cagnoni, and I think I've now become the Tanner Mullendyke fan and uh, on this this team. Um, and I think for me, the biggest we talked about Caden Price. I think Luca has been uh kind of like time out josh what's going on i like him too what are you doing oh oh <laughs> uh, i was gonna say <coughs> that's what was going on no i was gonna say uh no tanner mullendike's just kind of like um i don't know just just his data set for me was much better than luca cagnoni and um kaden price um, in terms of getting people pucks to the ice uh, or dangerous parts of the ice. And then his transition and passing was fantastic. He was a wild card, a kind of a crazy man, the beginning of uh, or the end of last year when I was watching him going into this year. I loved his skating. Um, if you followed me at all last year, you knew I loved Denton Matejchuk, and he had a little bit of that Denton craziness to him. Um, but I feel like he's kind of toned down his uh just wildness that he had uh at the end of last year and it's been very much more in control and i honestly I, i'm surprised his point totals aren't as high um as some as cagnoni and price um cagnoni is probably one of the most fun offensive players of, of the three this year he activates all the time he's super fun with the puck on a stick super skilled uh quarterbacks the power play exceptionally 
Um, he's just smaller, and that size, he kind of just gets he gets uh, bully ball to the middle of the net, uh, front of the net too much for my liking, and losing board battles. Um, so I think defensively, he's the biggest liability of the three. But um, it was it was a very hard conversation because I think some of us were very much anti some players and for some other players. So we were really struggling between between those three. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, I think, yeah, I mean, Jordan, yeah, I mean, Jordan hit the nail on the head with Caden Price, and it's, well, you know, his, you know, I mean, his play at Hill Linka, um, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't really match up with what we've been seeing out of the dub, um, you know, and so, you know, and so hopefully we see him, you know, show off, um, you know, a bit more of the offensive creativity that, you know, that we saw coming out of, um, you know, coming out of Halenka. Um, and, you know, and with, you know, and with that said, you know, um, you know, with Tanner Mullendike and Luca Cagnoni, um, with Tanner, like, I, like, like, I, like, I, I think there's a better defender in Tanner um, you know, versus Cagnoni, um, you know, you know, Tanner, um, um, you know, Tanner can be quite physical with his board battles, you know, while he's not, um, you know, while he's not the biggest, um, you know, guy on the ice at five E11, you know, he, um, um, you know, he can still lay out some booming checks, um, and, um, you know, and I, you know, and I just love his puck movement, um, you know, and there's, you know, um, you know, but the challenge with Tanner Mullendike, though, is that his shot isn't, you know, his shot isn't in a great state yet. It's still, you know, it's still in development, um, you know, and so, you know, and so a lot of the shots that he's just taking, you know, just, um, you know, just end up going low to, um I'm sorry, you know, like, you know, like low to the pads. Um, and it's so, and it's an easy stop for the goaltender, um, you know, and so, you know, and so with that said, you know, um, you know, you guys also hit the nail on the head with Luca and, you know, and there's a, a lot to like there with, you know, with Luca's offensive creativity. And, you know, I think, I think right now, you know, I would definitely give the de de defensive edge uh, to Tanner, um, but the you know, but the offensive edge uh, to Luca at this point. Um, and yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so let's move on to the next topic. So, um, we uh, we want to talk a little bit about the players that we're uh, a lot higher on relative to consensus rankings and um, rankings being put out there. Um, consensus being defined right now off of elite prospects um, uh, consensus rankings. Uh, the first player that we were kind of really high on compared to consensus uh, was Jaden Perron, who we ranked eighth and who you very rarely are going to see in the first round uh, as of right now. Uh, Jordan, you want to kind of kick us off with Jaden Perron? Yeah, I think um, this is kind of a philosophical thing for us of 
we're really geared towards swinging for upside and who can really pop um, when we're when we're talking in the first round of looking for guys that can be those first line first line stars or like top end players, right? And Perel fits that bill. When you watch him, um, he's highly skilled, highly creative, and it's all it's all done like in a practical way. There's nothing about it that you're kind of questioning. Will it translate? You can see how it'll work at the next level, um, and he's just somebody that I'm really excited about for those reasons of like you see why he's getting the results, and it also can work as he progresses higher. And there's good reason to think that um, it's worth the bet that high in the draft. Is he going to go eighth overall? He's definitely not. Um, he's probably I don't know if I had to guess he's probably going to be a late first. But again, you're happy to to get him there because you're getting a very good um, upside swing, and that's what the draft's about is getting those possible star players. Uh, couldn't agree more. Honestly, um, uh, when I made the joke at the beginning of the, the podcast, uh, we were kind of battling for Gavin Brindley or um, who could easily be who we talked about here uh, or Jane Perron for the 8-9 spot. And I think for me, the biggest thing that made Perron just super impressive as I was watching him over the summer, the beginning of the year, and then kind of got into a little bit of the data set stuff is um, I don't think anyone is as great of a passer to getting uh, pucks to the high danger areas than Jane Perron. Um, he's also exceptionally smart. There's not He's always looking to have a controlled entry. He's one of the best at entering the blue line and kind of deviating his speed. Uh, even stopping at the blue line and then kind of cutting towards the middle to find different options and secondary options. Um, he is just an exceptional playmaker. Um, his speed is, you know, I thought might be a concern entering the year. It hasn't been a, a no one's been able really to get on top of him either. Um, I would like to see him get a little bit more to the dangerous areas, take a shot five on five. He gets there on the power play. Um, but I would say, like, in terms of, like, just someone who knows how to play the game, who's an exceptional playmaker, I, there's very few players obviously if we have him ranked eighth um that i would take over jane Perron in that aspect next up is uh axel sandine palika uh who we had at 13th and um you know and you know and what you know well i and what i love in particular um you know uh you know when you look at his game is um you know is he is you know is he is very very well rounded. He's a um, you know he is a two way defender. Um, you know, shuts down gaps. Um, you know, routinely, um, and his offensive game isn't really there yet. It's picking up steam, but um, you know he does have you know you know you know he does have a um, sorry um, he is quite mobile. He just doesn't, um, you know. He, he just, you know, he just doesn't always use his mobility to pinch up, um, you know, and um, you know, and generate, uh, you know, those medium and high danger chances for himself. And so, um, you know, and so, uh, and so, a lot of the time he's, you know, he's hanging back by by the point. But if he does. Um, you know, but if he does pinch up, you know, he's going towards like the corner. Um, you know, to grab loose pucks, but um, you know, so I, you know, so I would definitely like to, you know, see him, you know, utilize his mobility a little bit more, um, you know, to navigate in, um, you know, and find, uh, you know, find more juicier opportunities for him. Um, and yeah, and uh, yeah, and what are your guys' thoughts on, 
um, Sandine Palika? Um, yeah, so Austin and I, I guess for, for transparency purposes, are more focused on the North Americans, but I did do like a few spot checks on the Europeans to kind of get a feel of things. Um, I feel pretty similarly similarly about uh, Guliaev and Sandine Palika after I only watched them like once, so this isn't anything crazy. Um, but just like when I'm looking at a defenseman and I see the raw skating ability that they both have, um, the puck skills and the ability to like combine that with the confidence of like using head fakes and beating guys and using your edges and just navigating through pressure and just showing that um, high end mobility and like confidence in the neutral zone to carry it and enter the zone with control. Like that's where I'm like, I'm really excited about you as a defenseman. And those are things that I, we haven't really seen a ton of on the North American side of defensemen. Um, and they, that's why those two are highest defensemen because they have those high end skills. And those are the guys you bet on um, to make as a first pairing defenseman at the NHL level. Otherwise they're not ranking you so high. Right. So um, th- those are just two little, little skills from both of them. That I saw that make uh, made me confident they fit on our list in the top 15. I don't have much to add. I just will say that at, uh, after watching a summer's worth of defenseman from North America, watching the Hoenka, he just stood out where I was starring his name um, in terms of how excited I was. I thought him and Otto Stenberg were, were the two standouts that came out of Team Sweden from the Hoenka. And then, um, like Jordan said, it's not our really area of expertise in Europe right now. So we both kind of like spot check going into the rankings. And I felt the same exact way when I when I watched him the, the, the second time right before the ranking. Next up, Andrew Cristal. He was oh. Oh, oh, seventh. Give me, give me my boy. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Look, I, I, I've talked a lot about Andrew Castell on this podcast. If you listened to this before, um, a lot of this would be repeated, but I don't think there's a better playmaker in the entire draft than Andrew Castell. Um, he's completed more passes than like everyone besides like two players in my data set have attempted. He's completed four more um, high dangerous passes than Zach Benson's even attempted. Um, he is a transition king. Him and Connor Bedard are the only ones that are involved in more than 50% of their offensive zone transitions. Um, and at the time of all this tracking, he wasn't putting up as many points. Like, I think he was like 15 points in 10 games or something like that. And he has just gone crazy. Uh, and all that, all the micro stats lined up to better point production. Um, so him get, popping off for four or five, six point nights the last two weeks is not surprising at all to me. Um, he, uh, he's a premier playmaker. He does get to, um, this, the dangerous areas of the ice, but he prefers a lot more to pass the puck, um, than he does to try and shoot. Um, I freaking love this kid. Uh, I can't say enough great things about him. I will say if I had one concern, he does, he is a little bit like, uh, Mr. Offense. He'll fly the zone a couple of times, a little bit early, hoping to catch a pass and go one-on-one. Um, but when he is defensively engaged, uh, he's no slouch either. Um, I don't have that many concerns for him as a defensive forward, but, um, especially since he's a left winner, but, uh, I, I think when we were doing the rankings call, I was hesitant to put him any higher than we have him at seventh, but there was in my heart wanting to push him ahead of Mishkov. So um, we'll see where the next few months go with him. Um, but I don't think there's a player that's doing more for his team as a draft eligible than Andrew Cristal is in the WHL. Besides Bedard, I should caveat that. Yeah, I, I think with, with Cristal for me, I think he's one of the players that um, is exceptional at like seeing what the defense is giving him and just picking it apart. Like he's able to like spot the holes, exploit the holes, and just like 
the defenses can't really set up to stop him because he can just pick it apart and he's really smart with where he puts the puck, where he's going to put the puck, where he's positioning himself to access those lanes and just is able to just pick apart any defense. And that's where it's like, okay, you're you're really good at this. Like you're and that that's what allows him to to be such a good playmaker. He's able to see those lanes and just attack them, exploit them, and um create high danger chances that way. So yeah, the puck skills are there, the shiftiness is there, but it's really that element of um the decision making with the puck and able to spot those lanes and just attack them all night long. Yeah, I don't I don't really have that much to add. <laughs> um yeah, I I mean, I love the um you know, I love his uh, sorry, I love his handling. I mean, like that's I mean, you know, like that's my favorite part of his game. And you know, and he's shown, you know, time in um sorry, time in, time out, you know, that he's, um, you know, that he's constantly able to maneuver himself out of, you know, out of very, very tight, um, sorry, out of very, very tightly pressured areas, um, you know, with, you know, you know, with his, you know, with his handling and, you know, and his handling only makes him a, you know, a more, um, I'm sorry, a more dangerous offensive threat. And yeah, there's just a, and there's just a lot to like there. The next one we have on our list is Gavin Brindley, which we rank ninth. Um, and Gavin Brindley, for me, uh, I've talked a lot about him on this podcast. I think I'll talk more philosophically than the player itself. But I think one of the things I very much value in a center is the ability to support teammates defensively, uh, being very smart off the puck, being able to be in supportive positions uh, to be an outlet for your teammates. And once you are the that outlet, be able to make a play once that puck gets to you. And um, Gavin Brindley, uh, he reminds me so much of so many of the smart players that have come before him in the few drafts, whether that's a, a Matthew Beniers or a Marco Rossi, someone who just when they get the puck, they're in the right position. They know what to do with the puck, and the puck goes where it needs to go. He's undersized um, playing for the University of Michigan, but he's still the second-line center. He's not afraid to be a little pesk. He's not afraid to go into board battles and get physical. Um, I think one of the most surprising things that came out of tracking him was just how successful he is at offensive zone transitions, how involved he is for a team that has six or seven already drafted forwards or defense and defensemen on that team. Um, and also, I mean, not for nothing per 60, he's the best shot generator I have even higher than Bedard for, for five on five, um, which is kind of crazy because, um, you know, Connor Bedard takes a ton of shots, but you know, I think when it when it comes to to Brindley, it also comes to his caveat. Bedard's also a prolific passer. Brindley was not as such a so much a prolific passer as he was trying to get to dangerous areas of the ice to take a shot. So, um, it is an aspect I hope he develops and it, he's shown he can do it. Um, but I be hope it, hope it becomes more prolific as he gets to dangerous parts of the ice to look for a teammate, um, for a pass instead of trying to shoot it every time. But um, to me, he was an obvious top 10 pick. I'm glad that when we got to the rankings call, no one really fought me on that. So, um, I love Gavin Bridley. Yeah, he's definitely, um, I mean, we've talked about Brindley before we talked about it last time, but, um, he's definitely among those last names, like nine, maybe a bit, a bit rich for me, but he's in that like group of like 12 that I'm really excited about, um, and then it kind of tapers off a bit after that. So um, I don't need to ramble more about Rubinley. You've already kind of hit the head on on him. 
I think uh, we got another one of Austin's boys here. It seems like there's a lot of um, Austin of us being really high on of your favorites, but uh, Grayson Sachin, I think that was, I mean, it was kind of a group decision, but you were definitely slamming the table there. I know. And uh, look, if anyone's listening to this, uh, if, I could be so wrong going against consensus with all these players. Um, so Grayson Sachin played for the NTTP U17 team last year is where I first saw him. Um, I always thought he was super skilled, um, great vision, so smart with the puck, so smart off the puck. Um, went to the WHL this past year, um, playing for a super team in Seattle. Now with Grayson playing with a super team, he's only playing about 10, 10, 11 minutes a night, five on five, which is about four to five minutes less than even like the average WHL player, CHL players playing in our, in the first round right now, he's not getting as much playing our um, power play time either. Um, but what he is doing with that time is absolutely astounding. And, and I wanted to recognize it because I think he, his skill set. In terms of being able to get the puck into the zone as a transition facilitator i mean he's still with limited um time on the ice still one of the better uh shot generators in terms of high danger shots his passing percentage he's completing 78 percent of his passes 27 percent of them are going or excuse me 26 percent of them are going to the dangerous parts of the ice he's involved in 44 percent of his offense and zone transitions he's successful on 63 percent of them when he's not successful it's usually because he tries to do too much on the, on the blue line uh trying to stick handle by someone instead of like maybe looking for another option um to me he's a quintessential first round player in terms of the, the skill the upside um his data looks fantastic and um he's doing it with limited ice time so i'm hoping that with more ice time as um he's not someone i would expect in the nhl next year but as he gets a more prominent role in seattle next year as people move on um i would expect him to really blossom and really take that next step to maybe even be a 100 point player in the whl what i have enjoyed about him is his gritty and physical play too and i think that's and you know and i think you know and i think it's more you know subtle but um you know but it, you know but his physicality you know has definitely opened up um you know a lot of um um you know a lot of opportunities for you know for him to cause puck disruption um you know and you know and even you know and even when he can't um Sorry, and um, sorry, and even when he can't get, you know, um, you know, as close as he, you know, wants to, um, in terms of in terms of implementing pressure, you know, he, you know, he has great reach that he can use, um, you know, to come up behind you and pick your pocket, and um, you know, and I, um, you know, and I love the, you know, and I love the the checking, you know, that you know that you get out of him like there's um i think that like you know i mean like i think one of the things that you know i saw you know in my viewings was that i would like his scanning to get a little bit better um you know it's a similar um you know it's a similar thing that you know we were talking about um earlier with mape but you know, but uh, aside from that, that's, you know, that's the only thing that I saw in him, you know, you know, um, you know, right now that paused me for concern. But, you know, but as I said, you know, I, you know, I love the, the physical play and, you know, and there's, you know, and there's, and there could be a heck of a, a player, you know, here. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to add too much. We've kind of already talked about him a lot, but I've gone pretty deep on like North American draft eligibles, and he's probably the last guy um, that I'm like super excited about. And then after, it's just sort of a a big long list of guys that are kind of okay, right? Like you you want to find guys that you're really really excited about on draft day, right? You don't want to draft the guy you're just um he's I'm indifferent to him, right? And with with the puck skills that he has, um, like his hands are insane. He can comp- combine that with like quick pivots, like evade pressure, and just escape anything. So yeah, he's someone that I'm willing to to bet on. Um, I guess now we're gonna shift shift a little bit and uh, talk about the players that we're low on, which may be the more fun part of this. Um, of course, uh, we don't need to talk about Jaeger and Mitchkov. We've already kind of talked about them. Um, at the beginning of this episode, but we are notably low on them relative to consensus. And we will start with Dalibor Dvorsky, who we have 19th and consensus, I think, is somewhere in the top 10. Um, and as our European expert, Josh, uh, we're going to hand this first one to you. Yeah, so with Dalibor, you know, I definitely came into the season, you know, with higher expectations, um, you know, based on... Um, you know, you know, based on tournament and and league and league play that I, you know, that I saw last year, and didn't and didn't really get, you know, um, you know, and I didn't really see the same player th- this year. Um, you know, very much, you know, more nonchalant with his, you know, with his assertiveness, um, and so. You know, and so he wasn't. So he's not. It's not really fighting hard for pucks. Um, he, you know, he's more. You know, he's more waiting for pucks to come to him. Um, and you know, and one of the things that I, you know, that I loved about Dalibor, um, you know, um, I'm sorry, um, you know, sorry, like one of the things that I loved about Dalibor, you know, in my viewings last year was his shot. And, you know, and I've only, you know, I've, I've only really seen him, sorry, seen him be, uh, be effective with it um, at 5v4. And you all know how much I hate the power play. So, um, so yeah, so that's where I'm kind of at. Um, and so I, and so I, and so I do believe in the skills. And so, you know, and so that way, and so that's why he's, you know, at 19 for now. Um. You know, and I, you know, and I, you know, and I hope he's able to, you know, I'm sorry, and I'm hope, and I'm hoping that he's able to rediscover his game from last year, and um, you know, and we're having a different conversation uh, about the Dolly Bore come the come the the next set of rankings. Sounds good. The only thing I had to add was he was way more exciting to watch last year. That was all. I it just not not having fun watching them this year. Um, the next player that we are, um, that you know that we are low on, um, you know, and is an omit, um, you know, for us is Ethan Gauthier of the Sherbrooke Phoenix, and Jordan as our resident QMJHL, uh, scout. Um, I will, um, I will let you take it from here. Yeah, why do you hate Ethan Jordan? <laughs> um uh yeah, this is uh I don't know. I, I think this is a tough one for me. Um I just think consensus is riding the Holinka hype train a little bit too much where he scored a bunch um and needs to come back down from reality a bit, I guess. 
Um, he started off really hot, scored a bunch of goals, but if you looked at them, they were a lot on the power play, a lot of secondary assists, a lot of kind of tap inside the net. And I think at one point I'm going to make up a number here, but he was like 16 points in eight games or something. And like four of them were empty nets. Um, and I just think things kind of got out of control. <laughs> um, when I, when I watch him play, I see a guy that um, four checks pretty well. He's, he finishes his hits and he can kind of, he can get involved in a cycle, like play in small areas pretty well, but not really existent in transition. Um, his puck kills are okay. He can get to spots okay, but it's a lot of just, I feel like his older Q line mates are driving the bus a little bit and he's sort of a passenger with them. So it's something that I'm just not really buying the point production. I think it's slowed down a bit at this point, um, but I'm a little bit concerned, right? Like if you, if you see guys priced at a 10 to 15th overall pick, you you need to be wowed. And I haven't, I haven't seen that thus far. And truthfully, like, uh, his data has been terrible going through him, but his passing decisions when he does make an egregious error are are pretty bad. And that's probably been the um, the biggest concerning factor for me, that combined with the fact that um, defensively he plays his entire game by I'm going to try and throw you through the wall, and that's uh, and, and make the highlight check, which sometimes will put him out of, uh, out of position, which, uh, you know, I, I know he's a winner, but that's kind of, um, he, he's he's really been trying to, to, to establish himself as a, a physical presence on his line. Um, you know, there, there's moments where I like Ethan and Gauthier and there's moments where I'm like, I, I don't know what you are. And I think, um, you know, could he rise in our ranking? Sure. I, I think we have him properly ranked for where, how he started the first two uh, months of the Q, Q season. Next up is Matthew Wood. Um, who was in the Ulmet for us. Um, and for me with Matthew Wood, I, you know, at Hilenka, um the best way to describe Matthew Wood's game, but I mean, I mean, gameplay at Hilenka was he was, he was all, sorry, was he was always constantly getting into, you know, the, um, you know, into those high and medium danger chances. Um, sorry, um, I'm sorry. Into those high and medium danger, um, you know, areas of of the you know, I mean, of the ice. You know, to um, you know, to you know, to set up opportunities for his teammates, and you know, and he, you know, and he just, you know, and he was just constantly just not hitting them in stride. Um, you know, and vice, you know, and vice versa, you know, he just wasn't reading, you know, the trajectory of, um, um, you know, of the pucks that were coming to him and, you know, and he was just missing target completely. And, um, you know, and, and with his play at UConn this year, a lot of the production has come at 5v4, um, and, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm not a fan of the power play. <clears throat> um, but, um, you know, but, you know, but with that said, Matthew Wood does have a solid shot. I just want to see it at 5v5 and, you know, and he hasn't, and he hasn't had a lot of success with it at 5v5. So, um, so yeah. Matthew Wood from the waist up, I'm a big fan of. Matthew Wood from the waist down, 
not a big fan of. And I, and I say that because he's just not able to escape any pressure in the NCAA right now. He gets people get on top of him so fast. There's been instances where he's had two or three steps on a breakaway and they catch up to him by a foot into the blue line. Um, I mean, data set wise, he took one shot through two games, five, five, five. And look, as Josh said, his shot was probably one of his best things that um, he had at the Holinka. Um, he passes the puck pretty well. He's completing 73% of his passes, but he only moves the puck around on the perimeter in the offensive zone or small, short passes back to defensemen. He does not, he's attempted uh, 1% of it or 2% of his passes to high, medium danger parts of the ice as a winner. Um, he's involved in less than 22% of the offense and transitions at UConn. Like he is just a passenger at this point. Um, with a lot of skill, a lot of like, there's moments where he's able to dangle by one or two guys with very little momentum or, or, or skating. Um, he's able to do some things with his hands that are really high end, but it's his skating's really limiting him in the NCAA to a point where a lot of it, like as Josh said, his, a lot of his points are coming on power play when he's given time and space to be able to, to manipulate around the ice. Yeah, I think just combining some elements of what you guys both said, um, I I could be I could have been convinced to get, put him in the end of the first round. Like, there's a use for somebody um, with his skills, and if he's a complimentary winger at pick 25, like, and he makes it, you're you're happy with that, right? Um, mm -hmm. But kind of what Austin said about not really accessing high danger, right? His passing was a big thing for me. Like, I always felt at the Holinka he was somebody that, like Benson or Richie did something to put the puck in a favorable position and he capitalized on that. Like he wasn't the one making the move to get the puck into a good scoring opportunity. He was just the one that was like being fed the puck that was already in that dangerous position, right? Like there was nothing really yeah. he was doing to advance the play from like 0% danger to like a high danger chance. It was Benson or Richie were doing those things. And then he was just in the right spot to get that puck. And again, if he's able to do it at the NHL level, there's a use for that, but um, am I pounding the table for him today? Probably not. So, uh, yeah, I could have been convinced to put him on the list, but um, at this moment, um, there's other guys I'm more excited about. Next up is uh, Cameron Allen of the Guelph Storm, and he was another all Um I don't, I don't know if I want to dwell too much on Cam Allen because I know we've talked about him. For, I'm, I'm pretty sure in the last episode um, for um, for quite a bit. And I don't think my perspective has changed that much um, since the since the last podcast. Uh, what are uh, what are your guys' thoughts? I think for me, and, and to be brief, it's just that when I'm talking first round defenseman, one, you have to be a power play quarterback, and two, there has to be some sort of deceptive ability from you at the blue line to be able to move defenders. Um, bring the puck up the ice, transition the puck out with a stick on the ice, be able to activate uh, and, and be dangerous in the offensive zone. Because if you don't do that, to me, you're a second, third, fourth round defender. Um, you know, and when it came to Cam Allen, you know, it started in the Holinka where it's just, it was nonstop point shots, you know, and it's continued at Guelph to an even more extreme degree where he gets the puck on the point and he maybe will walk the line for a second, and then he just shoots a point shot, wrist shot, point shot, wrist shot, point shot. And um, I think there's more skating ability and, and skill than he's doing right now. But what he's demonstrating is just that his offense is just, I'm going to put the puck on the net. And to me, that's uh, 
a second, third line or third pair defenseman, uh, maybe not a power play quarterback and somewhere in the second, third round for me. Yeah, I'm not going to add much to that. I just think of the people we're talking about here that we're omitting, I think he's the one that is most likely to take a tumble on rankings and consensus will catch up. Like, I think we're just getting ahead of what's happening. Like, I think I think there's no denying that his play hasn't been stellar this far. And I think consensus rankings will catch up to that soon. We're just a little bit ahead of the curve, I guess, in releasing our preliminary list two months in the season rather than in September. Um, because if we release it in September, he may have been like at 20 or something because um, we hadn't seen the play in Guelph yet. So I think we're just a little bit ahead of, ahead of the curve on him. And I think next we are on Charlie Stramel, which I have not seen. So one of you two can field this one. Charlie Stramel. Uh, we, we talked about on our previous podcast. I'm just going to keep this brief. He is struggling mightily to pass the puck in Wisconsin right now. Um, and that is probably my biggest shocking thing. I, I, I had him pretty high to start the year. And after going through his first couple games at Wisconsin, um, I just came away um, just disappointed in his passing decisions. Um, as a big, powerful center, you know, in a previous podcast, I said coming into the year, I kind of thought maybe he could have been a Cutter Gauthier coming into it but he's just not his passing's terrible in terms of completion percentage it's about 50 percent um he hasn't completed a high danger pass yet he's at 10 percent of those passing um he's involved a little bit more in transition than matthew wood but his line is really bad at getting the puck out of the zone with control a lot of that is doing their poor passing and poor spacing um off the puck he's not really finding open spaces that much you know, Charlie Stramel's really getting by a lot on what he was able to do with the U18s last year and um, the hype he had coming in. And his size is always going to be attractive, especially if it sticks down the middle. Um, you know, that's why I thought I might see a Cutter Gauthier with him because size and down the middle. But um, I'm not seeing much of anyone besides a, a power forward right now from him. Um, and I will throw the caveat on is that I'm not quite sure what the structure is at Wisconsin because they seem to be one of the lower end Big Ten teams um, and one of the lower, like the least structured um, college. I'm a huge college hockey fan, the least structured college hockey breakouts. And they, they, they're very much just out of position a lot of the time. So um, I don't, but in terms of evaluating the player for what he's doing right now, I couldn't put him in the first round. Yeah, and I don't really have much to add. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, but the next um yeah, but the yeah, but the next player um um I'm sorry, the next player on the list here is uh Colby Barlow, um who um who we had also omitted. Um and you know for me, like last year, um you know, I you know I liked what I saw out of Colby Barlow. Like he didn't like he didn't necessarily have like well sure like he didn't like he didn't have the speed to really I mean to I mean to really pop off. Um, but you know, but with you know, but with that said, you know, he was, um, um, you know, he, um, you know, he was always looking to pounce on pucks. Um, you know, that, um, you know, the broke, you know, sorry, that broke loose in the neutral zone, 
um, you know, in um, you know, in drive off man rushes, um, you know, and and you know, and there were points in which I saw kind of like a Tyler Toffoli kind of player. Um, I you know, and, and this year, um, you know, I see him, you know, f- far more, uh, you know, I mean, you know, far more engaged, um, you know, in terms of like the, the forecheck, but. He's not, but he, you know, but you know, but he's not really. Um, actually, actually, the word escapes me. But like, he's not really delivering on the forecheck. I, I guess, um, you know, he's got, you know, he's he's got the reach to be impactful, but he's just, you know, but he's just not using the reach, um, you know, that he has, you know, in order, you know, in order to take away space, and um, you know, and that. Um, you know, and that is the thing that I've been seeing in his game this year. Um, you know, and his, and you know, and his speed really hasn't improved. Um, so what I would say about Barlow, um, I have time for Barlow. Of all the players we talked about um, that we were uh, lower on, uh, Barlow is one of the ones I did think about about throwing in there uh, at the last couple rankings. Um, but I would say the the biggest reason why I, I wasn't pounding the table for him is just inconsistency. Um, you know, I, I feel like I, I enjoy his ability when he's on his game to be involved um, with his um, transition game, with his physicality, um, getting to dangerous air of the ice. Uh, he's a, he's a, he's hard on the boards. He's good in, uh, on the boards. Um, but I think, you know, there's just games where he can kind of have to, you know, um, disappear his passing can go awry for a little bit where his transition numbers look bad um but I, he was a player that's kind of on that back end of the first maybe top 45 like kind of tier for me um there's just other players that i i really liked more yeah for me it's kind of similar to what i was saying about kind of a mix of what i was saying with like goche and wood and maybe a bit of jaeger maybe not so much jaeger but for me, Barlow strikes me, I think I said this exact thing last time we talked on this podcast, but um, strikes me as a guy who's at his best when the puck's in the offensive zone, but isn't that great at getting it there. So he's relying on his line mates to get the puck in the offensive zone, and then he can kind of chip in the play. And I, just a personal philosophy, I'd rather bet on the player who makes a player like Barlow shine rather than the Barlow himself that relies on his line mates. So um, for me, I wasn't really pushing the table, pushing, pounding the table for getting him in the list. And uh, I just had a little uh, impromptu idea here to play a little game with you guys as we wrap this up. Uh, I want to ask you guys, we can all take time to predict on our winter rankings, who of these 32 players that we've ranked, who's going to have the most change? So whether they go up 10 or down 10, who do you think, like, let's, let's put, our, let's put our, our, our opinions out there of who do we think, who are we predicting that's going to change the most on our winter rankings in a few months? Uh, for me, Otto Stenberg, he, we had him at 15, I think. Um, I like, I really, really like the tools that he has and, um, you know, and I, and I like this play, uh, at the five nations. Um, you know, he, um, I, I remember Sweden had him on the wing, I believe. And, um, you, you know, and I, um, 
um, you know, and I love his ability to basically take over like the cycle, um, you know, and he's, you know, and he's just constantly looking to put pucks into high danger. Um, and, um, you know, his, you know, his shot isn't quite there yet. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, um, you know, I've been wanting to see a little bit more production out of him. And so, you know, and so I, you know, and so I definitely think he has the tools, um, you know, but he's just, you know, but he's just got to improve his shot, um, you know, and the other quality that I forgot to bring up with him too is, you know, is his handling as well. Um, you know, his puck, you know, his puck security, you know, there's just, um, you know, there's just a, a lot to like, you know, when he, um, you know, when he, when he is running cycle so i'm gonna let you go next jordan because i think we'll, we'll have the same player but you go i want you you to have him if you if, if it's the same one um matt matt v mitchcock's gonna drop 20 spots no I'm <laughs> um I, I think will smith i think will smith is somebody that i've already said we had um, a little bit too low but again as, as group rankings are you got to kind of um the consensus of everybody and and you know, play ball with everybody, and but I was a little bit vocal for moving him up. But I think he's somebody that has um, a ton of skill, and he's starting to kind of pop. And the goals are coming his way, and the points are coming his way. And I think with his skill set, um, he's somebody that I think our philosophy would lean him as being maybe closer to ten in winter or by the end of the year. But um, I think he's somebody that will, will I think could move up from where is he seventeen? Seventeen, yeah. So was that the guy you thought I was going to say? No, but. Uh... You, you know, coming after Oliver Moore like that really hurts my feelings over there, Jordan. <laughs> um, uh, no, but I, I agree with you. Honestly, I thought you were going to say the player I'll say, and I was going to pick Will Smith. Um, so uh, I'm glad you talked. I, I thought you were going to say William Whitelaw. Um, so I'm going to talk. I thought Will Whitelaw, he has the potential to to jump up to almost top 10. I mean, with his skill set, his speed, his shot, um, his like everything about him um, just is ripe for being uh, almost a top top 12 player at, at the very least. Um, I think one of the reasons why I'm a little scared of like giving them the hype right now based on, I mean, he has great speed. Uh, his, his stick handling is amazing. Jordan and I, I'm sure listeners already know this, have been gushing about Will Whitelaw since the Holinka development camp and like have been just pounding the table, hoping that Will Whitelaw would be a top 10 pick for us. Um, my biggest concern with the way he plays the game right now is it's a lot of like when things are when he's under pressure he will throw the puck on net regardless of where he is in the offensive zone um and so like you know sometimes that generates a rebound sometimes but a lot of the times I, I would prefer to see him keep the puck with control to try and get a better shot than, than that shot um and defensively like he's not he's always engaged he's been engaged since he was at Shattuck when I've watched him play there um, but I would like to see him really kind of like cement himself as a center prospect, as kind of be, always being in support, always uh, looking to be the the person who takes the puck up and down the ice um, as a as a transporter of the puck as a center. Um, but when it comes to just pure skill, speed, shot, like I think that kid is poised to just like go on a freaking tear in the USHL. So next up, we're just gonna quickly go through the the mailbag. Um, so um, 
we got a question from um from uh sorry from bricks to 86 on twitter uh what's the skinny on dmitry simashev um i can um i can handle that um he is um you know i'm sorry he is a physical the d- d- defender closes out gaps quite i mean quite effectively especially at the khl level um i've been wanting to see more um you know um you know more from him um outside of the defensive zone um and that's you know and that's the only and that's the only drawback but um you know but i you know but i I love the defensive play you know that um you know that Dmitry Simashev is able to um to, to deliver on a constant basis sorry on a consistent basis next up uh from Chase Allen 03 thoughts on Ethan Medima uh, from the Windsor Spitfires. Uh, watched him play very briefly to see if I would consider him as a first rounder. Did not think I would consider him as a first rounder. He's on a list for data tracking. I think when I looked at it this week or today it was uh, next Thursday. So if we do a podcast by next after next Thursday, I'll have more to say. But I didn't think he was a first round pick. You already schedule out who you're watching, but that just caught me. You've already scheduled out who you're watching. I have entirely, yes, yeah, so I try and do three a day. So Joey Willis, Callum Mangoni, and Matthew Mania are tonight. So much more organized than I am. Um, anyways, hi Chase. Uh, thanks for the question. You're you're a very good listener, and uh, we appreciate your question. <laughs> um, Medima, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that power forward sort of build isn't really something I'm thinking about in the first round. He can make plays. He can drive good offense but he definitely does it more through like his size and his reach and i just don't know if that's something i'm super excited about at uh through through the lens of our first round right so i haven't paid too much attention to him yet yeah i i don't yeah i, I don't really have too much to add i've um i've caught um i've got two games of him so far and you know and as you guys said i didn't you know i didn't see first round potential and and um you know, and I don't really see him as a, as a second rounder. Um, and so at that point, you know, I, you know, he wasn't going to be in HM for us, you know, since we were doing a uh, top 32. Um, so, yeah, so, um, yeah, so he's, yeah, so, you know, so he's on my list of guys, you know, to, to circle back on. Um, another question from Sebastian high uh from Dauber prospects um how fun is Denver Barkey he's fun next question <laughs> no we'll be uh I agree with Jordan you guys want to provide any more color <laughs> I, 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 was, I he was somebody that I thought about saying is somebody who can move up from our honorable mentions and do our first round um I like the playmaking. He's really creative. Again, similar to what we talked about, Kristoff can just exploit what the defense is given to him. But at this stage, I think it's a little rich to say first round. Uh, he's in that. I, I agree. He's in that tier where we were debating like the last three players for that first round for us, and he could have easily been a player. And I was the he was the only name I wanted to advocate for for honorable mention. So. Uh, next question uh, from Adam Gallant. Uh, what is Will Smith's ceiling for uh, for draft position coming out of Five Nations? 
would also be interested to hear an NHL comparable for him. Give me this. Um, so I feel like he could be a top 10 pick in the NHL draft. I feel like um, one of the things I'm struggling most with when it comes to the NTTP, so they were in Niagara this past week, so I got a live viewing. I've watched this team like more than any other team I've watched this year. My frustration is that they have put Will Smith, Gabe Perot, and Ryan Leonard in a position where all three of them are going to succeed. All three of them complement each other so well. Um, so personally, I would like to see one of those people go with Oliver Moore. Um, but I would say Will Smith in the offensive zone, Will Smith is one of the most fun prospects in this entire draft. Um, he's brilliant. I mean, you, you probably saw the highlight on Twitter from the RIT game that happened the night after the Niagara game. He broke a kid's ankle on the Niagara game, almost scored a goal there. Like he has sick mitts. He has so much skill in the offensive zone. He throws about 37% of his passes to high danger areas. So he, his points are no joke. I just want to see him more involved in the transition game. And I also want to see him more supportive in the defensive zone, uh, giving support to the defensemen and winners to get the puck out of the zone um, to cement himself as a center prospect going into the NHL draft. But even if he were a winner, he is one of the most skilled offensive zone players in this draft. Um, the next question we actually covered um, earlier. Um, uh, so, so big, so, so big tortilla had asked us about um, Braden Yeager and if we saw him as a NHL center. And I think, you know, and I think all three of us, you know, are, you know, are in alignment in which he, he's probably better suited on the wing at this point. But, um, but yeah, if there's anything else you guys want to comment. Okay. Um, last question from uh, German underscore Spitfire. Uh, uh, did you brill Toure? Any thoughts? He's big. He's six foot seven. I think he's like a 2003 born player, so I haven't really like had an eye on him. Um, plays for Sudbury, right? Goyet's team. It's about uh, it's about all I got. I, I he, he's noticeable when he's on the ice because he's so big. But I, honestly, I I haven't really paid that much attention to overagers. Uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, same for me. I, um, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't watched him too too closely. I will. Um, I will have to go back and uh and take another look and uh and I will r- report back. Um, I'm sorry that I didn't have any more. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm sorry that I, I don't have much uh, analysis on him. Um, no, it's honestly for those of asking questions about like late round prospects, like we we were we've been so hyper focused on who we're gonna put it in the top thirty two. I think the next ranking is gonna be a lot more fun trying to find some of those players that in that thirty three to sixty four range that we actually really like because last year, you know, some of our thirty three to sixty four players didn't even get drafted. I think Cole Knubel ends up uh, at fifty something last year, so. You know, these type of players, overagers, um, they might find their way into the back of our our top 64 for the for the next ranking. So so, um, so now that we are at the end of the podcast, uh, I just want to say it's going to be interesting to see both uh, both the Bills and the Patriots play on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, what are, uh, you know, just for fun. 
what are your predictions for th- for for American Thanksgiving football? And I'm sorry, Jordan, that you have to work on Thursday. Boo-hoo. Bills by a zillion. <laughs> um, truthfully, uh, we just uh, we keep it local for Thanksgiving. We keep it low-key. Um, you know, it's uh, it's gonna stink that the entire day of Thanksgiving is going to be uh, predicated upon whether or not the Bills win or not. Um, in the city of Buffalo over here, so um, you know. I have faith in Josh Allen. I have faith in the, that we're going to write this ship and we're going to just stomp the Lions. And um, I'm a little concerned that we're wearing the all whites, which is always seems to be we play the worst with. And I know that's stupid to care about jersey combos, but hey, here I am. Um, I'm not a football analyst. I am just a football fan. Give me the Bills. Give me the Cowboys. Give me. I love I, I love the Pats, but. You know what? The Vikings are coming off a huge loss against Dallas. Give me the Pats. I I, uh, I don't know, dude. I watch your Mac Jones. I don't, he, I don't know how he completes a pass. Um, so what we need to talk about is Canada. Canada beating Belgium tomorrow. That's what's more important than stupid football. Canada uh, World Cup tomorrow. Mark Chad Kelly, Kelly uh, Buffalo native, uh, leading the game-winning drive for the Grey Cup. Well, we could talk about that too. <laughs> Oh well. Oh well. Actually, actually, it'll be too late to mark to mark the calendar because this podcast is coming after the rankings. Well, celebrate a Canada victory. You know what? Go back and watch the match. No matter what happened, go 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 back and watch. TiVo it, DVR whatever it is, and rewatch it. Okay. The last thing I'm gonna say. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, check out our rankings. Uh, they're a little bit different this year. Uh, we've added some explanations to to the to the ranking for all 32 players. Um, I hope this podcast helps a lot in terms of our process and, and how we go about um, uh, ranking these players. Um, and like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I just want to give a shout out to Gray and Ben um, and, and, and Matt um, for for really for all the, all the the stuff they put into to um, with, with Jordan and Josh. Josh, our fearless leader over there, um, really kind of getting this together. And um, I got to be really excited. I'm really excited for these rankings. Uh, I think I'm really proud for, for all the work we put into this. And, um, you know, and we'll see what changes in January. Jordan, any last words? No, uh, I agree. I think um, I, I feel much better about these preliminary rankings. I think we waited a little bit longer than last year. Last year, I think we did it in early October or mid-October, and that extra month really helped to get um, a little bit more certain on things and less um, small sample size projecting. So I feel pretty good about these as well. Yeah, so maybe next year we do it in December? (laughs) There's one final ranking in June. (laughs) Well, um, Well, thank you all for listening, and go Patriots.